The Introvert's Edge podcast was designed to create a dialogue around introversion, to stimulate a discussion around our disadvantages, how we overcome those disadvantages, and what we consider our introvert's edge. Together, we're finally going to confront the stigma around introversion, showing that we're not second-class citizens. We're just different, and we need to embrace that. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Introvert's Edge. Today I'm ecstatic to introduce to you Dory Clark, who not only is an introvert herself, but also the author of Inc.'s number one leadership book and the author of Entrepreneurial You, an amazing book teaching people how to monetize their unique expertise. I have to say I'm absolutely ecstatic to welcome her because she's spoken so much about how to be successful as an introvert and she's mastered a lot of these things that we think as introverts we can't do. So Tori, I'm so ecstatic to introduce you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Matthew. I'm really glad to talk to you. I'm really interested in you sharing your journey because you had a lot of ups and downs in your trajectory to your instant success there that everybody had talks about, right? So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you came from where you started to where you are now and how your introversion played in as barriers towards where you now are today successfully. So for the past 11 years, I've actually had my own business doing marketing strategy, consulting and writing and teaching and speaking. But prior to that, in my 20s, I had a lot of different careers. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily me jumping around because I was being flaky. It was because just doors were slamming all the time in my face. I wanted to actually get, get a doctorate and become an academic. That was my original goal. And I ended up finishing my master's degree and then getting turned down by every doctoral program that I applied to. And so then I said, okay, well, where else can I, uh, can I you know, write and learn, uh, you know, things that a lot of introverts like? And I thought, okay, I can be a newspaper reporter. Uh, so I, I did that. And about, after about a year working at newspapers, I got laid off. It was really the start of the collapse of the journalism industry. And I had been covering, I couldn't get another journalism job. There just sort of weren't any. So I had been covering politics and I ended up migrating Migrating into politics, working on campaigns. And I worked on some pretty prestigious ones. I was a spokesperson on a gubernatorial race, on a presidential race. They both lost. <laughs> so it took a while to, uh, to get where I was. But one thing that I really learned in the process, especially, oh my gosh, working on the presidential campaign, you know, where it's just 24-7, you are always on. You have to you know, really be ready at a moment's notice to be out there, to be you know, the public face for the candidate, is that you have to learn how to pace yourself. Um, as an introvert, especially, you have to be very conscious of how you manage your energy. And learning to do that, I think, has enabled me to become successful with other things later on. That's great advice, Dory. And I, I think that energy is something that introverts struggle with when they're having to do perhaps what we would call extroverted activities. Now, I know that I'm going to get in trouble with you by calling it an extrovert activity as, because a lot of the activities around going out and meeting customers and speaking from stage, they do draw your energy, but there are ways to obviously be better at that. But let's focus first on the energy element. So do you find when you're out networking, out doing these things where you're out speaking in front of people, do you find that that draws away your energy? And how do you manage that? 
think one of the most important things that we can all do as introverts is to begin to really chart um, what what seems to drain your energy and and what doesn't because I think sometimes that can be surprising. I, for instance, uh, do a lot of public speaking. You know, around the the release of my books, I one year 2015, which is when my most recent book Stand Out was released. I did 74 talks that year. So uh, wow. you know, w- at least one, usually two talks a week, traveling around the country, around the world. Uh, so I was I was pretty much always on. Uh, but one thing that I discovered is that perhaps counterintuitively, being on stage and speaking didn't tire me out at all. That was fine for me. The part that was actually difficult and problematic was the socializing around it. It was when they wanted me to come to the reception the night before or go to the lunch afterwards, and I had to make small talk with strangers. That part was extremely uncomfortable for me. And so I had to learn to get better at putting boundaries around it and just explaining to people. You feel a little awkward, honestly, sometimes, but you have to do it. Just saying, you know what? I'm so sorry. I can't go to the reception the night before. I need to spend the time preparing. And even if you're not literally doing that, even if you know it's not like you're reviewing your notes, you do need to prepare in the sense of managing your energy so that you can really be sufficiently ready to perform when you know the next day when you need to be on. I think that's really important for people to know that it's important for us to look inside and understand how our body works and how we structure ourselves in a way that we can deliver when we need to, as opposed to constantly feeling obligated to do things and saying no to people and saying that we can't do that. And I love the way that you framed, I'm doing this because I have to prepare because it's about you. It's not about me. It's about you. I've got to prepare because you want me to deliver. And I think that's that's a, a really powerful thing to say. I want to transition, Dory, because I mean, you've written a lot in you know the, the Harvard Business Review. And I know that you, you were profiled by Kathy Caprino on Forbes. And you speak about introversion a lot. What do you think are some of the biggest limitations that introverts think they have and how should they perceive them differently so that they're not limitations maybe they're strengths you know i i think back matthew just to an experience that i had that was extremely liberating for me this this happened a couple of years ago and i was speaking at a conference and uh it was actually in new york where i live and the night before sure enough they had a speaker reception and i thought oh you know i should probably go to that it would be a good thing to go to and it was it was a speaker reception so i thought okay it's going to be a smaller group it, i can connect with with other people that are interesting you know that, that they've invited onto the stage with a message so i went and as soon as I got there, I realized it was a very uncomfortable situation. It was at this bar. It was incredibly loud. Nobody had name tags. So you didn't even know who anyone was. You had to just kind of wander up to strangers and say, oh, hi, you know, who are you? And it's, it's not the kind of mingling that I like. And so I, I made myself do it. I mean, I think like a lot of introverts do, I, I had the number in my head. I'm like, okay, Dora, you're going to meet at least three people. And so I, I made myself, you know, go up and say hi and have conversations. And I did it. But after maybe 45 minutes being there, I just, I just had this almost bolt of insight. And I realized, you don't have to do this. Like, it, it just was causing me such existential discomfort that I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. I don't have to. And so I left and I walked out and I, and in that moment I decided I'm never going to do that. I'm literally never going to do that again. And it felt amazing. And I think that for, for me, there's, there's really two messages that I have for, for fellow introverts. Number one, you too can do this. You too can decide to never do some certain type of activity that you don't like. If you don't want to go to the 
you know, morning, uh, you know, breakfast events that the Chamber of Commerce has, fine, skip them. You don't have to do it. But this is the important corollary that a lot of people miss. That doesn't mean you can excuse yourself from all forms of networking. That's, that's not how it works. You have to find something that replaces it, but is better for you. You can't opt out. You need to find a variation that is better uh, suited to your temperament. And, and that's what I did. And that's why I started uh, really embracing in earnest uh, organizing dinner gatherings in New York, because that, that was a much more controlled environment that I could set up in a way that was, I think, nice for my guests and nicer for me. It's funny that you say that. I'm remembering a conversation I had with a, a, a fellow, well, a great friend of mine. I, I think you know him well as well, J.V. Crumb III. And he, he talks to me about he will never go to somebody else's party and event, but he loves hosting because as the host, he feels in control and he can make small talk with people about whether or not their drinks are full or whether they're comfortable or whether they, he can introduce people. I find that's something I do a lot. I'll introduce one person to another person because that's my way of socializing. So I, I think everybody's got to find their strategy, but you're right. No one has to put themselves in that situation where they feel that it's super uncomfortable, but we can't avoid networking altogether. It's, it's finding that balance. So how did you go through the process of finding the balance? I mean, you said, okay, I don't wanna to go to these events anymore. How did you go through the thought process of working out what was comfortable for you? Well, one thing that I realized, Matthew, to the point that you made about uh, about J.V. Crumb and, and him wanting to be the host, is that I think a lot of times, most people in general, but certainly most introverts, if we are uncomfortable in an event, if we have a bad time in an event, usually we blame ourselves and we say, oh, everybody else here must be having this amazing time. I'm just an introvert, so I feel uncomfortable. You know, that's that's me. And the truth is, that may be the case, but even more often, here's the secret. Other people are really bad at hosting events. This, this was, was a lightning bolt moment for me. Other people, they, they just, they don't put any thought into it. They'll, you know, especially if they're extroverts, you know, not to stereotype or anything, but you know, they just, okay, they throw people together and they're like, oh, amazing things will happen. And that is so untrue. It, 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 is, it is fruitless so often. You could have the, you know, the best matched people in the world. You could have entrepreneurs that are, you know, able to hatch great business deals. You could have artists that could be doing collaborations. You could have romantic partners that, that are so fit for each other, they could get married. But if you have 20 people in a room and you don't point out who's who or you don't give some context, they literally might be in the same room and never even meet each other. And that is on the host because the host did not prepare sufficiently. They did not create a hospitable environment for people to make connections. And what I realized is that there's just an, an, you know, a dereliction of duty among hosts that actually came to offend me. And so that's why I wanted to be a host because I realized I could do a lot better. And so I created curated groups of people that had things in common and in advance like about a week in advance I would send out attendee bios to people so that they could research people in advance see who they wanted to connect with find points of commonality read their book listen to their podcast visit their LinkedIn profile however much research they wanted to do to feel in control and I have actually heard from introverts who have come to my events they're like thank you you gave me the tools to be able to have a good time I love that I mean You've taken it on yourself to give everybody else a strategy and you've decided that the world didn't work for you, so you bent it to your will. And I think that's amazing because 
as people, we tend to always want to play the victim or an effect of these horrible things. And what you did is you said, no, I'm going to be in the driver's seat of this and I'm going to decide how that interaction is going to take place. And for someone like me coming to your party, that would be awesome because now I don't have to feel like the LinkedIn stalker. You're giving it to me. I, I know about you because Dory sent me these amazing notes. So I, th I think that's a great piece of advice. And I want to transition now for a second into, I mean, your new book coming out is all around the, the concept of having a domain expertise and monetizing that. Now, for a lot of introverts, becoming the center of attention or becoming the person that almost has to, you know, share their wealth of knowledge in a, as opposed to just sending one-on-one -on -one and sitting down and saying, now, Dory, let me tell you what you can do to be better at this. It's here are my amazing strategies and here's what you should do to be better at what you do it can be quite confronting for a lot of introverts. What advice would you give them around how to do it comfortably and authentically? Because introverts really care about staying authentic. I think this actually is an area, you know, to the introvert's edge, where introverts, if done right, really can have a substantial advantage. Because one of the things, and, and I've written um, pieces for the Harvard Business Review about networking for introverts, also one about personal branding for introverts. And one of the, the points that I make, one of the, the, the cases that I make, is that introverts actually are uniquely well equipped to do well in terms of content marketing. Because, you know, especially if, if you're somebody who is thoughtful, is knowledgeable, maybe a little less comfortable getting out there and pressing the flesh, you can share your ideas and really provide value to a lot of people by doing things like blogging or creating podcasts or something like that, that you can, that you can do on your own and then provide to the world, right? And, you know, do it on your own timeline, be fully comfortable with it, and then share it. And the advantage with that is that content creation is really a cornerstone of building trust with your audience. And as your level of trust goes up, what is really interesting, and this is a point that I make in my new book, Entrepreneurial You, is that the, the more an audience trusts you, the less selling you have to do. You, you basically don't even have to sell at all. If, if they're like, oh, Matthew, your stuff is great. I want more of it. All you have to do is be like, hey, guys, in case anyone's interested, I have a new book. Or in case anyone's interested, I have a new course. That's not even marketing. That's just telling people something. And they'll be like, oh, my God, yeah, sign me up. And it all starts with the yeoman's work that comes from something that introverts are very good at, which is, you know, taking time by yourself, uh, synthesizing, coming up with it with a new way of saying it, and then sharing that. Thank you for sharing that, Dory. I, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, getting content out there that shares your topic matter expertise is 100% necessary. But how do, we, how do we share us in that? I mean, a lot of introverts and I know for myself, and when I first started, I didn't want to give too much about me. And then I started to discover that the more of me I gave, the more people really responded to it because they saw themselves in my stories. How do, you, how do you find or have you given advice to people on how to be more open and, and seen that effect in, in the real world with other people? Yeah, I think it really is an important point. I mean, ultimately, I, I think that, you know, I, I come out of the world of, of um, political communications, you know, that, as I mentioned earlier, that that's a hat that I wore in the past. And they're always, uh, you know, maybe maybe until the current uh, occupant of the, the Oval Office, uh, there, there always was a push to have this kind of stentorian communication, right? You know, you had to speak with an authoritative voice and, you know, write in an authoritative way. And, you know, that, that was that was the 
voice of, uh, of the institution to which you aspired. And so everything was very formal and frankly, very stilted. But as we have gotten more firmly entrenched into the internet era, people are just like, oh, they're sick of it. They're absolutely sick of it. And they don't, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear from, from people that are, you know, like real people, like their friends. And so, the, you know, the first rule, of course, is uh, of any good writing is to try to write like you speak. And that goes for emails too. I think this is really critical. A lot of times people have email newsletters and it's literally, and you know, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to really criticize because I, I started this way as well because you just, you look at what people around you are doing and you emulate that because you think, oh, that's the way to do it. But, um, but I've certainly evolved far away from that. But you have an email newsletter and it's just like, here's one section talking about um, all the uh, exciting speaking engagements that I just had. And here's a section talking about the exciting uh, new projects I did. And here's the this and this. And it, it's, it's just this sort of glossy, self-interested brochure that no one cares about. And if you can, if you can just be a regular person, like, like you are literally writing an email to a friend and be just as, uh, just as casual, just as friendly, just as discursive, that really does draw people in. I mean, you know, you make your point, but you do it in a way that sounds like you. I want it to be so that if a good friend of mine is on my email list and they get an email from me I would like the thought process to be that they're not even sure if it's me just emailing them or if it's from the official mailing list because the tone is the same and the voice is the same and the dory is the same. That's what I strive for. I think you do that really, really well in your, your writing style. But I want to I transition for a second into this whole video format. I mean, there's never been really a time when I've spoken to you where I don't feel uplifted afterwards. I think you have that impact on people. And I th I'm wondering whether that's nature or nurture, but I'm also wondering, I don't articulate quite as well as you do, or I'm not as confident as you are. There, I, for me, I could see two schools of thought. One is that I go away and I treat that as a, as a problem, and I go and learn the skills to articulate better and, and to structure things in the right way and to work on being more upbeat and more motivational. Or do I instead go the other direction and just be me and, and share that with the world? What, what, what do you suggest there? We have to sort of do a, a decision tree, right? So the first one is again, if you're if you're an introvert and let's say you hate webinars, okay, don't don't force yourself to do it. It's fine. There's other ways to communicate. You know, you can you can be a podcast guy, you can be a blogger, whatever it is. You don't necessarily have to do video if you if you really despise it. But if you like it reasonably well, it's just a question of how good you are or how good you feel you are. I you know I will say first of all, I know I've gotten a lot better on webinars than I uh, you know than when I started when my first book came out reinventing you in 2013 that year I did more than 50 webinars it, it was just you know an immersion into the world of webinars so I, I got a lot of practice um, in the last year and a half or so I've launched an online course that I have called recognized expert I for that do these these sessions these 90 minute sessions for other online courses I've done it, I've literally done three hour blocks that are live webinars I mean you have to keep people's attention on video for three hours so that level of practice forces you to get better at it. But I certainly am a lot better than when I started. So I, I think uh, just, you know, feeling free to, to understand, you know what, you're not as good today as you're going to be six months from now. It's okay. That's that for me is the most important thing to keep in mind. 
Dory, thank you so much for sharing so much valuable information. I mean, you're continuously writing great information that I that helps introverts. And if people want to find out more about you and the things that you're doing, how would you suggest people try and get in contact with you or find out more? Yeah, if, if folks are interested, I have more than 400 free articles available on my website, which is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. And I also have a free resource. It's uh, the Entrepreneurial You Self-Assessment. It's 88 questions to help you think more entrepreneurially and also develop new income streams. And anyone can get that for free at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much great information. And for people that are enjoying this episode, please make sure you check out all the other great episodes at theintrovertsedge.com. And you can check out Dory's episode again at theintrovertsedge.com forward slash Dory. And if, again, you're loving this content, please subscribe uh, on iTunes and make sure you post a review. The more people that post reviews and subscribe, the more people that are introverted that need this content will get the opportunity to see it. So please do that for me and for your fellow introverts. So I really appreciate everybody watching again today and thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Cheers. I'm on a mission to empower introverts to be proud of who we are. Introverts have had to deal with the stigma that we just can't be as successful in business or in sales as our extroverted counterparts. We're different and we need to embrace that. I instinctively shied away from sales. I didn't want to be a salesperson. My closing ratio has gone from 15% up to close to 80%. We nearly quadrupled the number of meetings set with clients. Your book was a great revelation to me about me. I've been fortunate to receive some endorsements from some exceptional introverts. They've shared with me how much they resonated with the stories of these real people and how they transformed to being sales masters. It talks about the things that make an introvert successful. Every book was written for extroverts and there needed to be something for us. Get your copy of The Introvert's Edge today.